Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another week of the Liberty Church B-Side Podcast. My name is Steve King, and alongside me is Matt, the alliteration king, <laughs> Lou Lyon. Matt, welcome you know to the B-Side. What? It's, it's a gift and it's a calling. A, uh, I I, <laughs> what you said, I thought you were just going to admit it's a gift and a curse, but you went to gift and no, a calling. And a, oh, what, what, would be, what could possibly be a curse about alliterations? Yes, and, uh, I have no, no answer for that, of course. Why would I have an answer to that? Um, it's, um, yeah, I, you know, I, uh, I don't know why I can kind of get stuck in my head there, but there was three out of four yesterday that were like so obviously yes. right there okay. in front of me. Okay. Parties or groups, the two groups Paul describes, yeah. that's, I'm sure the one you're, you're, you're thinking of there in your mind is you're like, he when was, you said he was working real hard for that one. So let me catch everyone up, right? Matt, you routinely have yeah. a three to four point approach to sermon. Very very helpful. I think a lot of people would say, like, helpful, organized, sure. the way you preach. We won't get all into the methodology, but, like, you usually have your three points, and most often, 90% of the time or, I'd have to or do more. A, I'd have to do a little review backwards to go. I think I'm yeah, – I think you're right. I think most average, I'm a three-pointer. Yeah, I think so. And I'm probably, like, two-thirds alliteration, a third non-alliteration. That's my rough number in okay. my head. Okay. If I, they're not alliteration, then they often, um, then they often have – some something in there that kind of ties yes, them together. Correct. It, All right. That's not true. always an alliteration. So true alliteration, I'd say you're a 70-30. Yeah. 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 Something that ties even with the what would that be? It's so not like alliteration. Week, like, is like, well, like the week before was like so it was a two pointer last week. Yeah. Two Sundays ago. Yeah. And it was about um counterfeit confidence and genuine confidence. Yes. Okay. No yep. alliteration. Yep. But a little wordplay tied together. Wordplay. Both confidence is consistent between both. I'd say so if we yeah. added up your alliteration okay. and your wordplay. You're 95 five. 95% of the time, there's an alliteration there's or a wordplay yeah, of some right. sort. Let's get, is, some, let's get someone on that top priority. Okay. <laughs> get on that. Steve you, have, Steve, you have nothing else going on today, right? Okay, this, and thus ends the B-Side podcast. <laughs> I have an assignment to make. Can I go on a quick tangent? I yes, worked, please. So when I was a graduate assistant basketball coach, yeah. um, I had the coach I worked for, who was a brilliant X's and O's guy. Yeah. Um, little, little, little like volatile in his approach sometimes to like things that would bother him or not. And we okay, had okay. a player get a technical foul on a dunk during a game. Oh, once. I can, okay. I can tell you who the opponent, I know exactly where this was. Wow. All right. Um, and he, he got a, a, a foul for hanging on the rim. Sure. Okay. And he really didn't hang on the rim all that much. Anyone who knows basketball, yeah. there was a guy underneath him. It's like, Hey, if he'd let go, I don't know if he would have landed safely. Like he just had to hang on the rim there for sure. an extra like beat. Yeah. And he got technical. Coach Jimmy was so mad after the game. He was just fired up. He said, Steve, I want you to go and get and go through all of our video footage and get every dunk that we've ever had here so we can send it to the league office so they can look and see how that was such an egregious call. Wow. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Wouldn't that be funny? He's like, no, do it. And I was like, oh, okay. So I was, this was You still, just had like a little PTSD tick right there. I was, so I was like, oh, gosh. So um, I had to go. I had to get, I had to clip out all the dunks. Oh, wow. And we and we sent it to the league office just saying like, hey, look at all the dunks that were never called technicals. Yeah. And so that was a little, you just reminded me of this little like pet project, little side project. Little side project. Little side project. All the sermons that I've not done alliteration. That's right. We need, so to, we need to capture those. I'm going to just be in the video room if everybody needs me for the next 10 days. Perfect. Do we have a video room? Not really. Um, we got a booth. 
Well, like that one pastor in Oklahoma that went off on his congregation like 10 years ago. He talked about the kid making his own little kingdom in the video. Oh, man. This is a great... We're all, oh, we're all, all over the place. Right. This is not helping. This place. is not helping our timing today. If you ever want to just have a laugh slash be horrified at what can go wrong from the pulpit, just Google Oklahoma pastor loses it on his congregation or something like that. Jim Standridge, I yes. think was the guy's name. It's like millions of views on YouTube. I think he, he accuses the, the sound booth kid for having his own little kingdom. He's like, we're not going to make your own kingdom in the video room. <laughs> That's right. That's why we don't have video rooms That's here why. at Liberty Church. Because you can't, I don't want you having your own kingdom. We do not right? want little kingdoms. That's exactly right. That's right. Well, anyway, okay. So, Matt, I'm teasing you. You Alliteration King. Um, you had four points yesterday. Yeah. We're in Philippians. Uh, I wasn't on the B-Side podcast last week. Thanks to Bob Carvel for filling in. Great episode Bob last week. Bob did a great job. Yeah, he did great. Of course he did. I don't, we, didn't, I, we didn't think he would. You know what's great? A couple people mentioned how much they loved seeing that side of Bob, Bob Carvel's okay, personality. Okay, yeah, sure. Out. A couple yeah. people in his own Bible study group were like, Bob did an awesome job. Yeah, I was like, yes. you guys should get to know Bob like that. Bob did, know, yeah. Bob's got a great personality. He does. He can, he, can, he can yuck it up with us. Yeah. He's maybe not quite as goofy or silly as we are well he's not as funny as we are man i mean come on let's be honest couple jersey boys that we called us that's it he, he called did. us some joysy boys he did call us that and i was like oh gosh and then he's talking, talking about yinzers right, right out of the gate he just laid it down he just whew. threw down the gauntlet well hey i'm gonna about to, i'm about to bring it back so uh, all right so yesterday we're in philippians thanks everyone for joining there were four points yesterday sir maybe give us a quick Yep. Summary, this was the pursuit, process, parties, and prize. Well done. Was your literal well, we reviewed it right beforehand. Oh, we you, did. Get, you tipped me off on the fourth one. I would have forgotten what the fourth yeah. one was. Yeah. Um, but walk us through. Give us the 90-second summary of yesterday's message from Philippians. Yeah. So this text in Philippians is actually where we get the series title Press On from. Paul twice in this text. We're in Philippians 3, 12 through 21. And he says in there in verse 12, I press on. Uh, to make it my own, because Jesus has made me his own. And then in verse 14, he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So two press-ons in this same text. So we uh, called the sermon yesterday, press on toward the goal. And um, as you were saying there, Steve, we talked about the uh, the pursuit that we're always meant to be pressing on toward this goal. Uh, even though we're not going to arrive at perfection in this life, we're going to keep pressing on day by day. We're not going to just rest on our past laurels and achievements and say, okay, good enough. Yeah. Um, the process, the next part is kind of more about maturity. Paul calls himself, though he's not arrived, he says, I am mature. Um, and he eventually then says, you can imitate me because of that. Um, so we talked a little about maturity and the process of how we press on. Third, we talked about parties. That was maybe the one I was stretching a little bit to make the alliteration happen. Two groups that Paul references in verses 17 through 19, enemies and examples. So he's saying, follow me, imitate me, uh, as well as the other people you have who are examples to you to follow. Yep. Really important because the other group, the other party he mentions there are enemies of the cross of Christ. He describes them there. Um, I mentioned in that part both that we, we really need to uphold that there is a distinction. There is an us and a them. There are citizens of heaven and there are enemies of the cross. Yeah. But yep. that we should always do that with tears in our eyes, that we should always be full of compassion for those who are at present enemies. Um, Paul, you know, integrity for the Christian life demands that Paul himself was the enemy, you know, in some ways of the cross of Christ from a human standpoint. He was yeah. persecuting the church, trying to destroy it. He then became an example worth imitating. So talked a little bit about that. And then the fourth one being the prize. Um, and really what the prize is there is at the end of the day, it's Jesus. I mean, he, Paul says that the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, the whole idea of God's calling being the thing that carries you all the way through 
from the moment you enter into the kingdom of God to the full sanctification and perfection uh, at, at Jesus's return. Um, but at the end of this race, Paul is picturing a race in this whole thing. The, at the finish line, your prize is Jesus. You get, yeah. you get Jesus. It's great. Good that's, summary. That's close to 97. Well done. That's maybe. pretty good. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. All right. All right. So let's jump in. Uh, maybe just under a handful of questions. Yeah, we got four, huh? <clears throat> yeah, four. Great. So, uh, hence, just under a handful of questions. <laughs> it's a handful five. Okay. Yeah. Well, five it's a handful five? <laughs> what kind of question is that? You know, I'm is adding that, a, that as the fifth question. Is that a literal definition of a handful? I've always, I mean, I've always assumed that a handful is five. Wow. I've never thought about that. I think that might need to be added as the fifth question. Is that not true? I just always thought as a handful was kind of like the word some or a few. Okay. It's more like, it's more, more broad than that. It's more <laughs> I, ambiguous. I, I don't know. Now, a handful now, is you're, now you're making me question. I've just always thought a handful meant five. Here you go. We're, I mean, welcome to the B-Side podcast where we question assumptions. <laughs> That's right. We question everything. Nothing is sacred here. <laughs> Except everything that's sacred in our okay, but sure. Okay, yeah. all right. So question number one. All right, here it is. I love it. This is a good one. Not exactly a question, says the questioner. Um, he just says this. First point, meaning pursuit. Okay. okay so first point, ouch. Ooh. But true, please discuss. Right? So it's like, yeah. um, essentially, like, tease out why this is challenging and inherently discouraging, but also helpful and true and even ironically encouraging yeah. as a point yep. this idea of pursuit so i'm i'm maybe reading into this a little bit the part that probably was the most stinging of that first point of pursuit was talking a little bit about um the arrival mentality yeah and this idea that you know we we maybe get to a point the longer we're walking with jesus that we start to look at okay i'm i'm kind of now arrived in this i'm now kind of reached this point um some of the stuff i mentioned yesterday was you know we maybe get to a place where we start to check all the right boxes of the Christian life. We're involved in the right things. We've got, you know, we think about the the different kind of callings of the Christian life, and we've got something to point to in each of those. But there's no more real hunger and, and thirst for Jesus. There's yeah. no um, any of the major exertions of our lives, like where we would, you know, weep and pound the table for people to meet Jesus, where we would just be pouring ourselves out um, for the for this for the sake of serving somebody else, where we'd be. Um, fighting against remaining sin patterns in our own life, as the author of Hebrews puts it, to the point of shedding blood. Um, all of that stuff, if, if we've got those, they, they tend to be in the rearview mirror and we start to think, okay, yeah. I've, I yeah. mean, I've really, I've exerted myself in the Christian life. And, and you have. Uh, but you get to the point where you say, it's now like, okay, I, I used to do that too when I was a younger Christian. I used to have that kind of hunger and, and thirst for Jesus. Um, now I'm kind of just here. And it's kind of other people's turn to kind of take that mm. take that on. I'm thinking that of anything that I said in that first point, that was probably yeah. the, the yeah. stinging kind of ouch. I think so. <laughs> part yeah. of this question. So, um, yeah, I I um, I'm grateful to the extent that 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 brings conviction from from the Holy Spirit um, in a person's life. I think um, it is discouraging maybe to to kind of reach this point where you here's maybe what's discouraging. Um, would be if there, if you do feel like you maybe have realized, you realize, gosh, I maybe feel like I am coasting a little bit yeah. in the Christian life right now. And so maybe this questioner has had a little bit of that moment there where the Holy Spirit was saying, this might be you. You know, I, I have those right. moments often in sermons um, in our church too, when other people preach where I go, oh, wow, that might be what the Holy Spirit wants me to hear today. Yeah. Um, and if that's the case, it, it will be discouraging. Um, I would even then carry it on into the second point where we talked about maturity and the idea that, if at some point 
you know, you are to think otherwise, God will reveal this to you also. And that, that this could be actually a moment, maybe that's the encouraging part of this, where if you're, if you actually would look at your life right now and say, gosh, yeah, all my major exertions in the Christian life are in my rearview mirror. I really don't have that drive and hunger and thirst for Jesus now. Yeah. Then maybe something like this, certainly Paul's words in Philippians could be used by the Holy Spirit to, um, to bring some, to, to reveal more of that also. It could be part of God's ongoing work of saying, yeah, and I want you to be attentive to this in your life. Yeah. Um, so it's not bad if it, if it discourages you in the sense that it's exposing, brings you into the light, carries you forward as part of God's ongoing process of sanctifying you and, and making you more like Jesus. Yeah. If it's, if you hear that and you think, ouch, and you start to go into this really dark hole of despair to think mm-hmm. like you're maybe not a Christian anymore. You're not, I would say, no, the, 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 the whole process of maturity to kind of carry this from the first point to the second point is, um, expect that you're going to see this stuff. Expect that you're going to have moments over the course of your whole life where blind spots, where imperfections, where remaining sin is revealed that you didn't always see before. You didn't see in the same way or with the same clarity. Um, And so I think see that as something to pursue, something to repent of and and pursue, um, but see it as part of God's process of bringing ongoing maturity all the way through your, your whole life being, it's still your turn and this is still your race and bring it all the way through. Yeah. That's well said. Good answer. Let's uh, so still on maybe the same okay. point there. The second question, I just moved it so I can answer this one next. So talk a little bit about the difference between resting on laurels yep. stagnantly um, and utilizing past accomplishments as encouragement. Yeah. So the person goes on to say, if compassion is the goal, um, which may I want to clarify if compassion is the goal, is that the goal, is it not the goal? How would a Christian challenge someone who might be coasting? Like, how do we do that? Or is content with their lack of hunger when all they want is affirmation? So how do we balance this appreciation, affirmation, encouragement of what's been done in the past and accomplished yep. um, towards someone for their present and future, but not have it be stagnant? Kind of just like a little bit more of a application of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, and we've even talked a couple of weeks ago, Steve, about gratitude and the idea yes. of like, how do yeah. we fight complaining and grumbling? And it's gratitude, which yes. is often, which often is a rear view mirror perspective. That's right. Look Looking at back. all the what places yep. that God has, has brought you. Look at all that God has done in your life. So, so by all means, this is not a, a way to say, uh, just to just disregard everything that's happened in the past. Sure. Has and, no value. It still does. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And we've, we've talked about even in Philippians, the gospel reflects the idea that when you See that you're actually obedient. We talked in this particular about in the obedience sermon, press on in obedience. Yes. That when you look back and you see, man, I, by the grace of God, I've been able to obey. I've been able to actually follow what Jesus has called me to do. Then you should say, praise God. He's enabled me to do that. He has actually given grace that I might follow him obediently. Yep. The, the reflex, of course, being when you're disobedient to say, thank God it's his work that saves me, not mine. I want to repent of where I fall short and I want to, I want to pursue again. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely looking backward to see the growth that God has brought, uh, the ways that you have been able to to step into the call that Jesus puts on our lives, and even the fruit that's come from it. Even, you know, to use the example from our church, to, you know, on our 10-year anniversary, we did a ton of retrospective. We yes. did a ton of, here's what God's done. Let's rejoice in that. Here's the, even in the, the liturgy that kind of kicked off that morning we were talking about, Here's how much money people have given to support church plants and ministries of mercy. Here's how many people have been baptized in our church. There's like 70 people, you know, here, like all of these kind of, um, these things. So I would say 
we should always be encouraged by what we've seen God do in our lives and we should be students of them. Like yeah. the psalmist says, great are the works of the Lord studied by all, um, um, rejoiced in by all who study them. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's a, I, I'm trying, I'm blanking on the, the reference there, but that you actually are to study what God has done and become yeah. a student of these things that God has done in the past and be encouraged by them. Um, the difference of course, is this questioner is, is laying out between resting on your laurel stagnantly I think the difference is that arrival mentality. Sure. Do you look at that and go, okay, great. Now we're good. And we kind of just coast on that for the rest of our lives. Or do we, does that, do those past things, do they, does part of their encouragement fuel more of Mm -hmm. the same? Sure. Does it kind of snowball into more and more or does it go good enough? Like I've come far enough. Um, a little, a little, uh, you know, side story. It, it could have made a good illustration if there was more time in the sermon yesterday. You know, I kind of took a cheap shot at athletes about, you know, athletes maybe tend to. I noticed that. <laughs> I noticed that. And I looked right at Steve King, <laughs> former collegiate basketball player, and said, Steve, it's time to not just act like you're a college basketball it was a bad, player. <laughs> you know, it was a bad day for me to pick wearing my jersey. I was wearing my, came my in high school with those short shorts yeah, yeah, and a jersey and a headband. headband and I, was like, and I was like, oh, bad day for this. Oh, boy. Oh boy. Um, athletes are notorious for maybe doing that trading, like, you know, even like, you know, Springsteen song, glory days, you know, you look back on the glory days. Yeah. There's a phenomenal bio short bio story article about Bo Jackson, two sport athlete, play football and baseball. I can't remember the specifics. I can find the link and send it out. There's this great line in that story that says, but the most impressive thing about Bo Jackson was that he moved on. Sure. And it was like this, wow, that, what a contrast. This guy had an incredible two-sport career, cut short by an injury, got hurt playing football, didn't, couldn't play anymore, and just moved on with his life. Didn't, didn't kind of hang on where you might contrast maybe a guy like Michael Jordan who can't move on. Like he, he's very obvious like in his ongoing conversations, still saying in recent documentaries he just wants to take on anybody one-on-one and beat them. Um, can't move on. Sure. Right. So like, yep. um, I would say the parallel here in the Christian life is to say, man, rejoice in all that, that God, you've seen God do in your life and through your life in the days gone by and let it fuel more Yeah, of the same. Yeah, that's good. The, the, the one piece there, I'm looking at the end of their question, how do we challenge someone who's, who might be coasting or can tell with their lack of hunger when all they want is affirmation? Maybe that, um, there's, there's, you mentioned this already in the previous question answer yeah the arrival but also the despair it's like you could look in your past and go oh am i prone to or believe i've arrived because of everything that's already been done or yeah. i've done or am i prone to despair because of what i've done i'm no longer doing yeah and i can't do it again and everything i look back and see maybe i was younger i had more energy it was a different season of life yep um or i don't yes yeah, so i don't have the capacity time energy for it or i just don't want to mm-hmm. right we can we can also despair in that and so there's just like maybe i'm i'm also perceiving a little bit in their question of if because they say when all they want is affirmation yeah there's a time sometimes to the person who's despairing to go like hey you we can affirm the good things mm-hmm. but we also have to keep pressing on right that yep. i mean that's the whole point of the servant totally. series right press on yep. and yep. don't press on don't don't press on um believing that all of your productivity can be measured and quantified and you're only going to find your value in what you produce, yeah. but press on in faith 
yep. believing that the Lord is still working through you. And you may need to also go another couple of years before you look back and see sure. everything that God did oh, through right. you and with you, right? We, we oftentimes can only look back. We don't get to always experience it in the moment. Yeah. So like, hey, be encouraged, press on, Yeah. even if you're despairing. Yep. I think that's right. I think there's, and probably if there's a baseline established in this kind of relationship where you're able to say to this person, if it's someone close to you, here's what I see God doing in you and through you. Yeah. I mean, if, if there's yeah, a baseline good. established all the time of that, then then it's probably not difficult to challenge them if you see that they're in a moment of going, hey, what? it seems like you've maybe, you're struggling to kind of find the motivation or energy to to press on today. It seems like you're... You're, you're in a longer stretch where you're, you're feeling like maybe you're not, you're not applying yourself to this. You're Mm -hmm. not maybe exerting yourself in the way that you should and asking questions about why is that? Is there a reason for that? My mind, Steve, you know, we've mentioned this before. My mind often goes back and as elders, we use this grid from first Thessalonians five says, admonish the idle, encourage the faint hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. And this discernment grid that Paul lays out in a different one of his letters, that's first Thessalonians, um, where you're discerning, like, is this person idle? In which case, you know, this is, of course, tough. some of the idea of pressing on is like if an arrival mentality would be an idle person. If I've arrived, I've become idle. Yep. If I've arrived and said, I've all, all the stuff's in the rearview mirror. Well, now I'm idle. So you're to admonish that person. And I think you say, you get in there and you say, hey, it's time to keep going. You know, this today's another day. You have breath in your lungs. By the grace of God, you're, you're given an opportunity here to do things of eternal value. Go for it. Get yep. into it. Start, you know, run, keep running. Right. Uh, whereas if someone is faint hearted, you're to encourage them. And that's yes. where maybe you would go. I, I see that you're just weary and faint hearted wrestling with if anything you've done is worth any value. I'm going to speak into where I see the value of what you've done yeah. is bringing. And it's that's absolutely that's that's a gift to that person. And it's absolutely glorifying to God and in no way against this like, this call to press on. Yep. It's just it's that discernment of where is a person faint hearted or are they idle? Yeah. Well put. That's good. Yeah, great reference there, too. All right, next question. This was a long-form question, so I'm going to try to, you know, maybe bring some integrity to the, the, the question by cutting it down, though, also at the same time. So um, so this is the person. So um, we need to trust God in our maturity for the process he has for people. Okay. That's that but, second point. Yeah. Yep. So, well, that, well, that's like, that's like yes, yes, exactly. Referencing the second point there. But wrestling with some applications of how to do this. So here's, yeah. there were two that were pointed out. Here's the first one. Yep. So this is a parent in our community. So yep. with the gospel class coming up, I struggle with putting my children in it. They've gone through the class before. And while they understand Jesus in their heads, I don't think they are there yet in their hearts. So do I ask if they want to go to the class or do I force them? Or do I wait for more signs in their current lives before working on that next step with them. So there's that's the first of the two examples this okay. person is going to bring. The okay. second one is that's kids. Let's take them one at a time. But here's the second one just to get the whole question out there. The second one is um, thinking about the parents. So it's actually, this person's thinking about their children and also a parent. Yeah. And going like, hey, I can't, yeah. I can't force my parent to come uh, to church, uh, Liberty or elsewhere. Um, so at what point do I trust God? Just wrestling with, does my parent have a saving faith? Yeah. Um, how, how do I trust that God will, will handle that or lead that? At what point do I force those interactions with my parent, um, uh, knowing that they oftentimes even need hard questions to like wrestle with that? Like, how do I prompt this with that person? Yep. So in the end, the question really is, what does it practically look like to trust 
God with the people in our lives that we love that aren't Christians and aren't sure they are. So how do we play the role in that process with children is your example. And then also even a, a not sure if they're a believing, maybe an unbelieving parent. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, and I mean, it really is, it, it's the right question in that it, um, this is really hard in real life. Yeah. So like that whole yeah. idea of, of the trusting God with someone else's process. And I mentioned in there, like we need the discernment Our some of our own maturity is trusting God with other people's process. But that requires this discernment to, to say, is this a moment for me to be the instrument of God actually exposing and revealing something in that person's life and trying to help them grow and mature? Yeah. Or is it time for me just to really say, you know what, it's not going to be this this moment or me in this moment is not going to be the right person or timing to, to be the one to engage it. I'm just going to step back a little bit and, yeah. and trust that God's going to bring that about in some other way. Um, and wow, like if I had a short answer, like silver bullet answer for that, like I, you know, probably written a book on it or something by now. Um, I don't, I don't have like a great short, um, answer to that question. Um, so maybe we can even dive into these specific instances of, you know, with kids and with an adult. So I think maybe a little bit of how I think about that differently is just when it's your own kids and when your kids are younger, Mm -hmm. um, you have a lot more. Um, you are the main source of like influence in their lives. You are the main um, God appointed means of their discipleship. Yep. So you have a different relationship with your children than even you do with your own parents. So even these two, these two pieces, I would contrast a little bit. Um, and I would say, um, especially as your kids get older and into their middle school and high school years and their student years, you're going to, you're going to have, you're going to have more and more opportunity to trust God with their process um, and to, to, for them to kind of go, go through their own life and their own experience, and their yeah. own, their own journey of kind of like, what, what are they into and what doubts and wrestling and questions that they have about faith and where are they ready, maybe more readily and easily accept the faith that you have as their parent, as a Christian, or where do they push back on it? Yeah. But I would say as your kids are young, um, I would, I would err on the side of being very active in that role because you are the primary discipler that God has appointed for them. Like you, like, so this discernment question of like, am I God's primary means in that person's life to bring about the growth and maturity? I would say to a parent. Yes. Right. Sure. (laughs) Like, right. Like how is God going to reveal more? Uh, You as the parent are going to be, if not the primary instrument at that age right. group, you're going to be one of them. Right. The, assu- the assumption, of course, the spirit working, but I'm like, yep. yes, yes, you are still. Yep. Yeah. Right. So, so as a parent for kids and especially the younger your kids are, um, yes, see yourself as that instrument of God's revelation and work to bring maturity in your kids' lives. Yeah. Um, the older they get, the more it gets into this kind of gray, gray area of it's still me. As my kids are getting older, but they're preparing to kind of launch out onto their own. Yeah. Um, it's still me, but I, it's going to be other things too. So stay engaged there. Um, and then, and then, you know, with other adults in community, friendship, relationships, that kind of stuff. And then certainly like with parents, that's where this question is, is a little more complicated, certainly to say, um, okay, what's my role with my own? parents when I see blind spots in their lives, when I see, and, and this person's even saying like, um, you know, what if, what if we aren't even sure that they're Christians? Sure. Like, what if we aren't even sure that they're Christians? So yeah, man, that's hard. Um, something that's, something that's helpful for me is to think about, um, how I'm wired by default. 
So maybe I would put that to this person and to all of you in your Bible study groups as you wrestle through situations like this. Are you more naturally wired to be someone who bulldozes people or are you more naturally wired to be somebody who um, is passive and abdicates from places that God has you? So if you're if you're wired to be kind of a confrontational person, uh, more of a bulldozer personality and the way people experience you is that like you're always you've always got an opinion about something. You're always um, pushing mm. somewhere. You're always driving them towards something. And there's there's never any question about where you land on something. Sure. You're always vo- voicing it. Then probably in these adult relationships or with your parents, um, that's probably going to be a call for you to do some of this stepping back and trusting God with that mm. process in, the, in that person's life. Yeah. Because you probably already have been somewhat of a part of that process. You've probably already been present enough in that relationship in some sense. So that's my general. On the other hand now, if you tend to be more passive and kind of saying like, man, I see some stuff that I think I should say. I don't, I don't say it ever. Sure. And, I, and, and you maybe look back at that relationship and go, I just have really never had that many good conversations with that person on the, anything like this. Yep. You're probably more naturally wired to be, um, you know, a peacekeeper. Um Someone who would um, not step into the places that God actually has given you a place to step in, and I and I say that as a person that is more naturally wired to be that guy. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm much more of a I harm people much more by my passivity than I do by bulldozing them. Okay. The vast majority of the time, yep. I've done both. The vast majority of the time, I err more on the passivity side when it comes to stuff like this. Sure. So, I would say know yourself and the way you're inclined to operate mm-hmm. and see, even see that as part of your own growth and maturity. It's going to like, it's going to feel like it probably will feel like to you. If you're more wired, like I am to be passive, it's going to feel like you were just bulldozing the crud out of somebody. Mm, sure. Yeah. Uh, right. If you, to even right. say anything. Right. And if you're like, I'm really feeling like that might be the case. It's probably even an indication that like you need to step into that a little bit more. Right. Whereas, um, yeah. Whereas if you're someone that you're just always voicing your opinion, it probably is a moment to step back and, yeah. and do that. That's that's a little bit of how I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Um, I'd say this too. This is helpful for me. Patience is not passive. So so when you even when you are patient with someone and trusting God with that person's process, um, that patience is not passivity. Like sure. it's you're still praying for that person. You're still in a relationship with that person. Yep. You might be actively choosing to not bring up this aspect of their life or, or, you know, a whole realm of things in their life. Yeah. But it's, it's a, it's a conscious choice. It's an active, it's an active patience. It's an active, uh, an active entrusting that person to God and saying, man, I want to talk about this with them, mm-hmm. but I need to lay off right now. and let God yeah. do it. Yeah. I think, and I, I think you're using, I think that's, that's really helpful. Um, part of some, Maybe like a grid or some other words I'd I'd use or maybe calibrate. It's like the calibrate of how you you're saying you're right that on one far end of the spectrum is bulldozing and one far end of the other spe- spectrum is passivity. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's also the range in between which you're identifying. You're not saying there's not a range. Yep. So I would say don't abdicate. Yep. Actually calibrate how you are bringing what I the words I'd use there would be like. Support and challenge. It's like calibrate. If you're one who's yeah. apt to bulldoze, I'm like, you're probably prone to over challenge. Sure. You're trying to drive someone to That's where good. you think they should go. Yep. You're constantly like overwhelming them maybe, right? That, that'd be what the, the, the red flag of that would look like. Yep. But you're prone to bring that challenge. Or in passivity, you're prone to be overprotective. Sure. Right? Give them too much 
time, like give them too much support, Mm -hmm. right? So don't abdicate because abdication is like just not doing anything. Actually go bring support and challenge, just calibrate them and calibrate them. That's where it's like, man, discernment needed for that. And, you know, uh, the other piece of that for both children and for parents and for any one of us around us, Mm -hmm. I, I thought you said this well yesterday, like when we're longing for people to know Christ and to grow in their own maturity, um, will we always have a, a not a dry eye? No, not necessarily. But like we should feel the emotional. Sure. Right, that we should we should plead with God yeah. on their behalf yep. for them, um, and just and and so while pleading with them, also engage when you're saying that patience, the process of that. Like it is this process because. We don't want to end up where we're trying to just bring someone to arrive at a point that we can get them to. We can't get them there. We can't. We can't. Right. No. So it's like that. That's that's hard. That, that's hard. That causes me to grieve and yep. be tearful at times. Right. Yep. Like I can't just recognize you can't do it. Yeah, that's right. And so be praying for like that. If anything, it's another reason to engage. Yeah. Like don't while being patient and discerning. Also engage, just calibrate how you engage yeah. and not waiting for someone to get to a point where you're like, well, now I need to get in there and do my thing. Yep. Your thing isn't going to work. It never, yeah. it never was going to work, yeah. but God will use you. So like be engaged. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. I appreciate what you're saying about children, like be the primary, yeah. don't abdicate ever from the yeah. role that we play with children. Maybe that specific, this parent, knowing who asked this yes. question, not abdicating from being for a parent sure. with the, with the idea of like, how do I help them go to a gospel class? Maybe that idea of um, also just recognizing and our approach here, the gospel class is not meant to be um, this final one and done moment of affirming a sure. child's faith. Sure. And if anything, it, it's just the, it's the continued um, experience of being pressed to grow in faith, to assess faith, yeah. to be around other adults. Yeah. Maybe even to, as a parent, go like at some point you're going to, you would benefit from Helping, you know, pointing your children to child to someone else to talk to. Sure. Who's not just, who's not you. Sure. That may even be, I've heard that. I haven't had kids that are teenagers yet, mm-hmm. but I've heard a lot of people speak to that. Like when my yeah. children are of the age where it's like, hey, I'd love for you to connect with so and so. And it's another adult who I trust and it's not me. Yep. That's going to be a helpful moment. Yep. And this is just a rehearsing of that in some ways for younger children too. That's a good point. So the gospel class not meant to be like, are they ready or not ready? Part of that, part of like the process is just going through the gospel class. Sure. We're not, we don't think that's meant to be for only those who are ready. Yeah. It's also to help them grow in discerning if they're ready. Yeah. So. Yep. And it's, and, and the way we've, we've carried that, that class out before too, is we, yeah, we try not to put any kind of pressure on that. It needs to be, you go through this and then you for sure make a profession of right. faith. And there's, there's a lot of freedom there leaning heavily on parents and what they see and what they feel like they're where their kids are. Um, and even trying at times, if there's ways to, to encourage, you know, here, this might be a way to help walk alongside your kid for the next season to help them think about some of these things. Like yeah. there could, there could be some helpful stuff that you do with them. Um, just in your own, in your own home and conversations with them and, uh, you know, a resource you do together something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Good. All right. Fourth and final question. Uh, this question asks, would you agree that in a way, Paul, is a better example than Christ for us to focus on and that we can see not only his holiness, uh, but also how he deals with, with sin. So Jesus is the perfect example we focus on, but perhaps Paul is more practical for us as Christians. Uh, otherwise Paul would never said to imitate him as he imitates Christ. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. So of course, Jesus, you know, is the ultimate example. We follow Jesus. Paul has already said that Philippians chapter two, 
And this question is rightly getting at, um, talked to yesterday. So then you preached in Philippians 2 as well, Steve, about Timothy and Epaphroditus. Yep. They're worth following. They're examples of servants, united servants. Uh, Paul in this text is saying, and also imitate me and the other people that are examples for you. And um, this question is saying, yeah, so in a way, is Paul a better example than Jesus? Well, so Jesus is fully human. So we have an exa- We have a fully human example in Jesus. I don't want to undermine the fact that he was fully human. Sure. In any way. But I would say yes to this person's question that in a sense, because Paul, Timothy, Epaphroditus are all imperfect, are all still on the on the road. You know, they're still on the racetrack, running the race. They've not arrived yet. They're not perfect. Um, so they're very different from Jesus and they're much more like us then that they are um, a more practical example to follow. They, sure. they actually, um, if if I think that allows us to let up, if, if, if we start mm, to kind of psychologically sure. okay. go, okay, well, we have human examples too and nobody's perfect. So like nobody's perfect can be either like an enabling comment or it can be like a really encouraging comment. That's right. Depending on how you use it. That's right. So I would say the yeah, same well thing put. about Paul as an example. It's like, Paul as an example can be either like enabling and you're like, ah, but nobody's like Paul didn't sure. get there either. Like, why do I, why should I put sin to death? Why should I, right. you know, um, if it, if, if we ever look to examples as like an enabling thing right. that actually calls us away from the ultimate example of Jesus, then we're using it the wrong way. Not helpful. Yep. If in the days that we're weary, faint hearted, coming face to face with more things God's revealing to us, exposing in us. And we're like, my goodness, I'm just never going to get there. Yeah. I, I may be not even a Christian. Because I see this stuff in my life still, man, that's where you like, nope, Paul said, you know, um, Paul said, the things I hate, I do. The things I do, I hate. Like he, he's on the road his whole life um, and even talks about himself as the chief among sinners and the, the wretched man that he is save yeah. for the, the, the work of Christ. So he's for weak and, and running people. But as you're running, you realize your weakness and your shortcomings. Paul's a beautiful example for that. Yeah, it's good. Good. Well, those are our questions for this That's week. Great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt, thanks for thanks for bringing a lot of additional content and answers to those questions on this podcast. Uh, thanks for the the preaching throughout our series. You've been carrying the bulwark of that um, for Philippians. Give us a heads up. Yeah. Where are we going in the next couple weeks with our sermon series? Man, here's what's crazy. We're we're getting to chapter four this Sunday. It's wild. Um, and we only have two weeks in Philippians officially left. Uh, is, so that, have, is that right? So we've actually we've done nine of the eleven sermons already. Yeah, we have. Yeah. which is wild. Yeah. So we've got. Two weeks in Philippians 4. Yep. Um, this coming Sunday is Palm Sunday. Yep. And we'll look at the front half of Philippians 4 about pressing on together, talking about doing life in community together. Uh, and then the set, the last part is pressing on with contentment. Um, that's where Paul ends the letter. And that's going to be Easter Sunday. So we're going to talk about contentment and why to pursue contentedness um, on Easter. Uh, and then we've got a standalone that last week of April where we're going to actually tie together some of what we've been doing with Philippians with the idea of why it's so, uh, we've talked about this on the podcast before too, but internalizing and memorizing scripture, yeah, um, hiding God's word in our heart. And there's so much in Philippians. It's worth hiding in our heart, memorizing. There's two women in our church who have memorized the whole book. And we're going to get to hear that, uh, recited from memory, um, that last Sunday of April, the Sunday after Easter. So looking forward to that. Um, yeah. And then we'll, uh, then we'll kick off uh, another series at the beginning of May about uh, the goodness of God. So, Lots of good stuff coming ahead, but really want to um, really dive in deeply. I would encourage you in your Bible studies to do that this week, um, to uh, to really uh, encourage each other, push each other in this whole idea of pressing on toward the goal. And um, yeah, we'll be back next week. It's great.
All right, everyone. Well, hey, enjoy the rest of this week. We will see you uh, on Sunday for worship or maybe before then. Enjoy the week. Yeah. Talk soon, everyone. All right, take care, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side podcast. For more resources and information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.